Right, here we go. Uh, we are uh, in week three now uh, of our series, uh, working through the letter to the Hebrews. Now, uh, I say letter, uh, but some people think that Hebrews reads much more like a sermon than a letter. It's like uh, the author of Hebrews, he's got a whole load of pent-up angst about what he's trying to communicate to his audience. So, for example, in a little while when we look at today's passage, we're going to hear him saying, okay, listen very carefully to this. In chapter 3, he's going to say, consider this. Don't miss what I am saying. In chapter 12, he's going to say, look, fix your eyes on Jesus. There's this huge passion to get across his points. However, he's not sure whether his audience is following or really listening to him. And I've got to admit, I kind of feel his pain a bit. Now, hear me out on this. Uh, I'm not kind of reprimanding you, and I'm certainly kind of not playing for the, the sympathy vote, but whenever I'm on a plane, I can't help thinking that preaching and being a flight attendant uh, aren't really all that far apart. Now, you can't really tell from that. That isn't me from the front and the back. They're two completely different people, but I think there are some similarities. Like, uh, we're, we're trying to keep you safe and help you make it out alive. And a lot of the time, it seems like no one seems to care. The, the poor flight attendant is kind of encouraging people to buckle up and explaining where the emergency exits are and how to operate the life jackets and where they are and how to inflate them. And, and no one seems to be paying any attention. I mean, everyone's got their headphones on, they're playing on their iPad, they're, they're chatting with one another. No one's paying any attention to the poor flight attendant who's simply trying to ensure that everyone makes it out unharmed. And in a lot of ways, that's sort of what I'm trying to do here. Uh, I'm trying to get you out of here alive. Uh, I'm trying to get you out unhurt, unscathed. I'm trying to get you out in one piece. But anyone in the room who's ever tried to preach will probably tell you that one of their greatest fears is that the words merely go in one ear and straight out of the other. And so I guess my humble appeal as we're kind of getting started today would be please pay attention. Uh, take note of these people in the back row here, kind of notebooks out, pens poised, ready to take notes. Uh, go away, apply what you hear because it might just save your life. All that being said, why don't you fasten your seatbelts turn off all electrical devices unless you're using them to take notes, in which case I'll believe you and you can keep them out. And let's prepare for takeoff. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 2. While you're finding it, let me very swiftly catch you up with some of the things that we've seen so far. In a nutshell, that the message of the previous chapter of Hebrews chapter 1 is that God has gloriously spoken to us in Jesus. And really, more than anything else, Jesus is greater than everything. Jesus has made a way for the forgiveness of our sins and for you and me to be made whole. And whatever we face in life, although life can be tough at times, ultimately, Jesus is enough. 
He's enough for us. So that's the message of chapter one. The question is, why should we pay attention to Jesus and his salvation? Why so much weight, why so much emphasis on Jesus and his salvation? Let's look at chapter two. The text really is going to answer that very question head on. Hebrews chapter two, starting in verse one. So, as a result of everything in chapter one, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message that God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. Let's just pause there, because I think there's something pretty big happening here that doesn't necessarily look like it's particularly big on the surface. This writer, who's very Hebrew, he comes from a Jewish background, he's pointing back to the law that God gave his people back in the Old Testament. Now, for those of you who are wondering what the relevance of angels is to all of this, I think Johnny touched on it last time, uh, and, and just for those who are maybe still wondering, that the angel's reference really goes back to Deuteronomy 33 and verse 2, which I'm sure you're aware of anyway, but just humour me as I explain it again. Uh, and that passage describes how angels were there, and they kind of helped with the process of delivering the law to Moses. That's why angels are being talked about here. And so the writer of Hebrews is referencing the law, but Why? Why is he saying, okay, pay attention to Jesus because of the law? Well, let's very quickly check out what actually happens when the law was given earlier on in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. This is what we're told there. Listen, listen carefully. These are the commands, these are the decrees, these are the regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, then you'll enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey. If you do, then all will go well with you, and you'll have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. So why pay attention to Jesus? Why give Jesus any attention at all? Why pay attention to his offer of salvation? Why do that? Well, what do we learn from this passage in Deuteronomy? What reason is given here for paying careful attention? Why are we to obey? What does it say? Why obey his decrees and commands? What's the result? What does it say? So that it might go well with you. That's right. The message is, if you listen and obey, it will go well with you. It will lead to life. God's saying, if you follow me, if you do the things that I'm going to tell you, if you live the way that I'm commanding you, I'm going to bless you. Life will go well for you. And if you don't obey, if you don't listen, if you don't apply what you hear, is probably going to go bad for you. So why pay attention to Jesus and his offer of salvation? Well, number one, it's the way to blessing. 
Really, the entire Old Testament is, over and over again, the Testament, the story is that if you follow the law, if you follow and obey God's commands, then in some way you're blessed. And if you don't follow the commands of God, sooner or later things go bad for you. Now, if that was true of following the law, how much more is this going to be true of following the Lord? Because Jesus is greater. He's the source of true life, real life, permanent life. Let me try and illustrate it like this, because I think some people can hear that and think, well, that isn't my experience. I mean, I'm not doing so well. Now, this isn't the promise of prosperity. Now, don't go, okay, if I follow Jesus, I'm going to be healthy and wealthy, and I'll, I'll never struggle, uh, and everything will be fun. And that's absurd. That's not how life works. Let me illustrate it like this. Is anyone here feeling hungry? I mean, it's just gone 10 on a Sunday morning. Maybe you didn't quite get breakfast before you came out. Anyone feeling peckish? Anyone hungry? Not a trick question. Anyone hungry? Yeah. A few people. A few people looking hungry but not admitting to it. Uh, You're not quite sure where I'm going with this. Okay, well, I've brought something. My my pastoral heart is beating strong today. I mean, I I, I, want to look out for you. So I brought some food. So first come, first serve. Got a bag of food here. Uh, Verity at least is feeling hungry. So first come, first serve. First hand I see gets the food, okay? So first of all, anyone like a mouthful of flour? (laughs) Any takers? Anyone gagging for a bit of flour? Uh, Not quite so hungry anymore. Okay, how about this one? Okay, uh, try again. Uh, Anyone like um, a bit of raw egg? I mean, a bit of raw egg? Crack it open right now, Verity? No? Okay, okay. Maybe I'll misread you. Okay, let's give it another go. Anyone like a bit of bicarbonate of soda? Anyone really gagging for a bit of bicarbonate soda? Anyone? You're a tough lot to please. I mean, I, I mean, what are you doing here? I mean, they're not very responsive. I mean, please. Okay, one last try. First come, first served. Anyone like a piece of cake? Anyone like a bit? I saw that hand first. Here you go. Can you catch as well? There you go. Nicely wrapped so the crumbs didn't go everywhere. That's how kind I am. Okay. There's another piece in there, but that's for the north site later, so I'm watching you. Don't, 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 don't go anywhere near it. We'd quite like some cake, wouldn't we? We'd just rather not have the ingredients that make the cake. Now, here's my point. I'm not promising you and neither is Scripture that you will not have to eat the equivalent of a bit of flour or raw eggs along the way. I'm just telling you, and the Bible tells you repeatedly, that in the end we get the equivalent of cake. So why pay attention to Jesus? Because he's not your enemy. He's not against you. He's not looking to harm you. His aim isn't to wreck your life quite the opposite. He says, follow me because I want to bless you. Follow me because I want to do you good. That doesn't mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean that we won't have to navigate a bit of pain and suffering along the way. But in the end, it will all work together for something, as Mr. Kipling would say, exceedingly good. All right, let's keep looking at this passage says this, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. For the message that God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was 
punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by who? Who does it say? Jesus. I mean, if in doubt, the answer is always Jesus, so just be confident, just Jesus. Uh, The Lord Jesus himself, and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. So here's the second reason why we've got to pay attention to Jesus and his salvation. It was his idea in the first place. Your salvation, you being forgiven of your sins, you being made whole, your healing, was first announced by Jesus, who, don't forget, is God in the flesh. Now, that is a pretty huge piece right there, because I think in our culture, you know, God sits apart from the culture and is viewed by many people as our enemy. It's like he doesn't want us smiling, doesn't want us having a real life. He's kind of like Mark kind of demonstrated at the beginning, kind of like this, kind of against us, harsh, doesn't want a lot of joy for us, doesn't want what's best for us. He's cranky, he's mean, he's distant, he's out to rob us of all pleasure. That's the view that our society holds. But according to Scripture, salvation, healing, wholeness, that's God's idea. It was Jesus who knew all of your sin, past, present, future, who took the initiative to come to you and say, look, I offer you salvation. I offer you the forgiveness of your sins. I'm here with arms open wide, offering wholeness. I offer you healing. This thing is Jesus' idea. Why pay attention? Because the offer doesn't come from mere man. The offer doesn't come from some prophet or an apostle. It doesn't come from a preacher who thought it up. Not even from an angel. The offer comes from God himself. God himself says, come be healed. I want you to come and be made whole. Come, no forgiveness for your sins. Come be made right before me. And how do we know this is true? How do we know this is real? Well, it says here that it was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. In other words, thirdly, there are a whole bunch of witnesses to this stuff. There are all these people who saw the life, who saw the death, who saw the resurrection of Jesus, and they followed him right up until their death and didn't waver one bit in their face. In fact, you can find respected secular historical documents that talk about the death of some of those apostles, and none of them, even in death, recanted their faith. I don't know what you think, but I think that is pretty significant, because most of them died badly, like boiled alive badly, like crucified upside down badly. And not one of them goes, "Uh, we were kidding, We, we just made this stuff up. Not one of them. Now, even if you have no religious background at all, I'd humbly suggest you've got to do something with Jesus. I mean, you've got to. Jesus is the most popular man that ever walked the face of the earth. He's literally the center point of all history. I mean, time is measured in the years BC and AD, before Christ and Anno Domino, the year of our Lord. Jesus stands at the center of history. There's been more written about Jesus than any man that's ever lived There'll be more philosophies, more systems of government spun off 
from his teaching. And there's even kind of the weird stuff, like, I don't know if you ever thought about this, kind of people stubbing their toe or banging a nail and kind of hitting their thumb with a hammer and screaming out his name. I mean, no one's ever like kind of, oh, Gandhi, or, oh, Mother Teresa. I mean, why is Jesus' name so automatically fired out? Have you ever thought about how bizarre, how strange that is? You've got to do something with Jesus. And listen, logically, you can't just go along with the popular way who's just a good man way of thinking. I mean, you're going to have to do better than that. Like, I don't believe a whole lot of what he says, because, I mean, he called himself the Son of God, and I'm sure he's not that. And he said that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. I mean, that sounds about arrogant and pompous. I mean, I don't believe a whole lot of what he said, but he was a good man. He was a cracking teacher. He was a great philosopher. That makes no sense. Either he was a complete lunatic or the most evil con artist of all time, or you've got to believe he's the son of God. I don't know what your other option is, but you can't say he's just a good man and a good teacher and then say you don't believe a whole lot of what he said at all. That's just weird. It doesn't stack up. You've got to do something with Jesus because there are all these men and women who saw what happened, who were there, and they ended up literally giving their lives for it. I mean, to save their life, all they had to do was go, no, we made this stuff up, but they refused to deny it. They endured the most gruesome deaths as a result. So why pay attention to Jesus? Why take seriously his offer of salvation? Well, because it's the way to blessing. Why accept the message of the gospel? Because the invitation comes from Jesus, comes from God himself. Why take all of this seriously? Because there's all this history. There are all these eyewitnesses that gave witness to the fact it is true. Why believe all of this? Well, if you still need more convincing, take a look at verse 4 here. It says, And God confirmed this message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. That's our fourth reason. God confirmed the message with signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's so much we could say about this. Like, when somebody rises from the dead, or gets healed of cancer, or is able to speak fluently in a language they've never learnt, don't know about you, but that's got my attention. And what's more, God is still confirming the message with those sorts of miracles today. In fact, if you need physical healing, if you're here today and you need healing of any kind, I'm sure it's true that we'd love to pray for you at the end. Owen's nodding, but there'll be an opportunity to pray for anyone who's sick at the end. God still heals today. But for me, one of the most compelling things about Jesus is there seems to be no fingerprint for who follows him. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter the language, the culture, the ethnicity. It doesn't matter the postcode, the socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter if you've got an IQ over 140 or, or, or left school with literally no qualifications at all. It doesn't matter if you're pretty or ugly. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete or a couch potato. It, it just seems across all lines there are people who love Jesus deeply. 
Now, I don't know what you think, but that's a pretty compelling miracle to me. Like if it was just a Western thing or an Eastern thing, then that would be a whole lot easier to explain. Or if it only worked among poor, uneducated people or wealthy, high-flying people, that's one thing, but it's not. It's across every line you can think of. I mean, honestly, what do we have in common? Have a good look around the room right now. Just have a look around. You're allowed to do it. Have a look around. What do we have in common? Some of us got saved when we were six. Some when when we were in our 40s or 50s or 60s. Some of us have had life incredibly hard. It's like it's kicked the stuffing out of us. Some of us, besides a scrape on the knee or two, it's been pretty plain sailing so far. Some of us, we, we grew up in homes that taught us the goodness of Jesus from an early age. A lot of us didn't. And yet, here we are today. The transforming power of Jesus the miraculous wonder of Jesus continuing to mould and shape is pretty compelling to me. Pretty compelling to me. Now, if you're still not satisfied, keep listening. Because there is one more reason that's given here for paying attention to Jesus. And it comes in the form of a question. There's this question here that we've glossed over thus far, but we're going to return to it. There's this question that the writer just puts out there and doesn't answer. It's a really hard question, I've got to warn you, but just take a look at it with me in verse 2. You might have disregarded everything else I've said, so it's, it's fine for you to say that, I'm still not convinced. This is what makes it deeply personal and highly urgent and relevant for all of us. Verse 2, for the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm. And every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation? Now, I don't know how to soften this. So if you excuse me, I'm just going to put it straight out there. Fifth reason you've got to take this seriously is you are guilty you're guilty, and so am I. We're all guilty before God. Let's be straight with each other. The main reason we've got to pay attention to Jesus and his offer of salvation is we are guilty and desperately need saving. And if you're inwardly protesting your innocence right now, like, I mean, actually, you know what, when I look around the room, I thought, I'm doing much better than all these people here. I mean, I'm not that bad. Well, let's just lay your life against the Ten Commandments. Now, let's be authentic with one another. Let's be real. So, show of hands, time for honesty. First question, show of hands. Anyone in the room ever lied? Any liars in the room? And if you just said no, that's at least your second lie. Uh, How about this one? Have any of you ever put things before God? Have any of you ever found other things at some point in your life more valuable than God? Okay, absolutely you have. How about this one? Have you ever coveted? Have you ever been jealous of something, envious of what other people... Absolutely yes. How about this one? Hands up. Anyone ever murdered someone? 
phew, that's a relief. <laughs> kind of so, oh, we're, we're okay there. But Jesus doesn't actually let us off the hook. Jesus says, if you don't do an action, but your heart's there, really, you're no better off. Jesus says, look, you've seen that it's written, do not murder. But I say, if you have hate in your heart, you've committed the sin. So let's ask the question again, any murderers in the room? Uh, a few more now. So can we all agree that before God's standards, we're all guilty, all of us? Which means the question that is posed here in Hebrews 2 is relevant for every single one of us. Since we're guilty, what are we going to do if we ignore this offer? This offer from Jesus of forgiveness, this offer of wholeness, this offer of healing at the deepest level. What are you going to do? What other plan do you have? What's your big strategy? What is it that you are pinning all your hopes on? I mean, this is the offer from the one who is behind all things. All things were created by him. He's greater than everything and anyone else. And this is his offer. Let me bless you. Let me heal you. Let me bring wholeness to your life. Let me wipe away your sin. Now, what are you going to do if you say no to that? And why would you say no to that? <laughs> what are you going to do there? What, what do you do if you neglect, if you ignore this phenomenal offer from Jesus? Please don't switch off. Please do not ignore these things. Don't ignore being loved by God. Don't ignore having your sins wiped clean. Don't ignore having the just wrath of God removed from your life. Don't ignore the offer, the free offer of grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's a free gift if you'll take it. Don't ignore the offer of relationship with God. I mean, why would you ignore that? And that's that pent-up angst that I was telling you about that's in the writer of Hebrews. Because these people are hearing the words and are still considering walking away from their faith. And he's like, what are you doing? Where else are you going to go? What other options, seriously, have you got? Where are you going to go to get a salvation anywhere like as good as this? This free gift of salvation that not only covers your present reality, but your future failures too. Where on earth are you going to get a better deal than this? Where are you going to get a better opportunity than from the God of the universe, who's over all things, who has all power and all authority, and he's invited you with his own mouth? From the God who knows you, who sees you, who knows all of your shortcomings, who knows all of your failures, and yet still says, I want to bless you. Yes, you, even you have just disqualified yourself and thought, no, it couldn't be for me. God says, I want to bless you. So come on, why don't you follow me? Yeah, but do I have to eat flour and raw eggs? Probably at some point in your life. But there's the promise of the equivalent of cake at the end. So come on, what's stopping you? Why would you ignore 
such an invitation. I mean, I don't know, do, do you secretly think that God hates you? Do, you? do you genuinely think that he's got this plan to mess up your life if you follow him? Do you think that you know better than him, that your understanding of what would make you happy is greater than his understanding of what you need? Do you think you're still not good enough? Is there still something in you that disqualifies you? What is it? Why are you ignoring this great salvation? I don't know, maybe in the past, you'd say you you were much closer to Jesus than you are now. But for whatever reason, somewhere along the way, you, you, you walked away from him. Maybe it was intentional, very deliberate. Maybe you just kind of drifted away over time. Why would you walk away from this? For what? The author of Hebrews is saying, please, don't ignore this message. Don't ignore this. It's too big. It's too beautiful. It's too magnificent a salvation. Come back. Or perhaps you're here today and you've never really full-on 100% tried it. You've kind of dipped your toe in but not fully. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe you've been coming for a little while sporadically. You're kind of intrigued by what you see here. Some of the things we do. But when we worship, you feel a, a kind of moved inside and it's a bit awkward and you can't quite work out why. Maybe when I've been talking about Jesus, something stirred in you even this morning. You're like, I kind of want this. It seems attractive to me, but I just don't know how to get it. So here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we're just going to pray. I'm just going to take two or three minutes and pray. And here's what I want to say. Maybe today where this lands for you, let's not beat around the bush, maybe you need to repent. Repent means turning from one way of living and choosing willingly, intentionally to follow Jesus' way. Maybe, hand on heart, if you're being honest, in some way you've been neglecting this great salvation. Maybe you haven't been living 100% in the good of it. You haven't been taking advantage of it. I think it's the book of Romans says it like this, you've taken lightly the grace and mercy of Christ. Maybe you can relate to that. Or maybe if you're in here and you're saying, I I want all of this, you've hooked me, but I haven't a clue what to do. I'm living with this person, I'm I'm doing this stuff on the weekends, I've got all of these issues, all this mess, all this junk in my life still. I, I, I want this, but I just think I'm, I'm, I'm too broken. When it just so happens, maybe this is the greatest part of the whole deal, God seems to prefer broken people. I mean, read the Bible, it's just who he seems to like hanging out with. So, so there's great news on that front as well. And if you want to know where to begin, listen, you, you don't begin by changing this and changing this and this and this and working really hard. That's not the good news of the gospel. The gospel is you begin by saying, hey, I recognize I need some help here. <laughs> Jesus, I'm desperate, will you help me? Now, I, I've made a mess of my life. I, I've sinned, or, or maybe I feel things are going pretty well, but against your standards, I still fall short. Or I, I feel everything's kind of good, but if you can offer me something better, please help me get there. Well, I think we can start there. Because life change happens in response 
to experiencing firsthand in your own life God's gift of salvation. It's never to earn it because that would be impossible. It's in response to experiencing his grace, his kindness, his favor, his blessing, his life. So I'm going to give us just a couple of minutes to maybe think and pray. You've got this great offer of the gospel. Gospel means good news. And this is the best news in the universe. Although we're all guilty before God, Jesus offers us salvation. And really, I'm joining with the author of Hebrews and with flight attendants all across the world and pleading with you, please pay attention. Please pay attention.